Hey, this is To All the YA I've Loved Before. A podcast where two childhood best friends discuss the young adult fiction books of the 80s, 90s, and beyond. I'm your host, Casey Racer. I'm your other host, Ashley Spicer. This is Spooky Season 6, so grab your pumpkin spice latte and prepare to be scared because we're exploring teen horror, mystery, and the supernatural. Coming in hot. <laughs> I am coming in hot. How are you, Casey? Um, I am a bit upset and uh, emotionally destroyed to the point where I have two glasses of wine in front of me. Yeah, same. I mean, not glasses of wine, but two drinks. Um, yeah, so we'll, we should just issue a content warning right here. Yeah. Right now. For sure. Yeah. Um, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so this book, Look For Me by Moonlight, and our discussion here forward is going to have a lot of talk about grooming, sexual yeah. assaults. I think that that's like kind of in the area like statutory mm-hmm. rape. Um, yeah. That's kind of in the area of the, the way that this is going to go. Yep. So the book that we are talking about today is Look For Me by Moonlight by Mary Downing Hahn, and it's from 1995. So I, per usual, looked up a bit about Mary Downing Hahn, and she is middle grade and YA horror, mystery, and historical fiction author. Um, She's 85 years old and still going at it. Like, she released a book last year. (laughs) I saw that. I was like, damn. I know. That's amazing. Her first book was in 1979. She was always... A writer as a kid, she loved writing stories, but didn't like writing in school because of all the requirements and rules. Love that. Yep. We don't like rules around here. Fuck uh, the rules. <laughs> yeah. But she was too um, like shy to try to publish anything until she was 41 years old. And since then, she has written and published 30 books, more than 30 books. That makes me feel good. <laughs> yeah. Because I yeah, was just thinking amazing. today about how, like, if I published a book every year from now until I'm 60, I like, it'll be like 30 books. Yeah. I mean, that's literally like one of the things I was reading. She was like, you know, since I did that, my, my, <laughs> oh, sorry. That was the dogs. I thought someone was like at the door. <laughs> oh. <laughs> freaking. It's a vampire. <laughs> oh, God. But anyway, since she did publish her first book at 41 years old, she said that her average has been one book a year since then. I mean, maybe not not currently because now she is a bit older, maybe slowed down a bit. But we don't blame her. MDH. MDH, man. And she was a a children's like a school librarian before she published. Also, there's like multiple graphic novel adaptations of her books. So that's a, something to consider. That's an option. I I thought this book was so well written. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I was looking at her other books and I'm like, I'm definitely going to read more. Yeah, for sure. I I agree with that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that being said, should we just start with a, a summary of, of what's happening in this yeah. old book? First of all, I just want to say that um, you had hooked me in with the premise of this book being <laughs> Twilight Before Twilight. Yeah. And I said, oh, this will be 
fun, right? Like, haha, mm-hmm. we're gonna have our little, our little bitty laughs, and we're gonna be like this, this little girl <laughs> who's falling in love with a vampire, and like, yep. you know, very Twilight. This is mm-hmm. not Twilight. This is nothing it's like Twilight. Not. It's really not. Um... This is what Twilight should have been because this is such a better version of that whole old vampire seducing a young teenager yep yeah absolutely we are gonna talk our little heads off about this yeah so i mean this one was actually like scary i was uh (laughs) my whole body just like was so tense during like i was just my skin was tight i just like there were several times where I had to like remind myself to breathe. Right. I I read the last maybe uh sixty percent of this in the bathtub because I was like <laughs> I just need to like be in a safe spot. Right. And Ryan came in and I was like I'm upset. I'm really <laughs> upset right now. <laughs> it really yeah it's it's extremely well written but it is pretty um disturbing content I would say. It's horrifying because it's it's not the it's not the supernaturality is that a word of it it's the <laughs> realism of what is yeah. happening so yeah, l- yeah let's let's get into it okay let's so this book is about um 16 year old cynthia who goes by cinda for oh short. i hated that sorry i did too that's i've i don't know it's a weird name that is not, not a, a nickname for cynthia <laughs> no like I don't like to hate on names because, like, my name is spelled really ridiculous and, like, yeah. names are made up. But I'm like, like, that's you chose you chose this weird nickname. Cynthia is beautiful. Anyways, it is. <laughs> yeah. So when Cinda was a child, when she was about six years old, her dad left her mom for a student in his literature class. And it does finally say like way later in the book that she was 18 when they met, but um, it was very ambiguous for a long time, whether she was underage. And also, I mean, even if she was 18, that's super creepy. Um, And bad. And like, that's like a power dynamic that uh, is not allowed. Yeah. And I, I do think it's funny that like, they don't talk about this. They say like, oh, he's a writer and he owns it in now. But I'm like, oh, he mm-hmm. totally got fired. Right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. He's having an affair with his student and leaves his family to be with her. And <laughs> as you said, he now lives in Maine and he has a bed and breakfast and apparently writes best-selling mysteries. And all the while, I mean, obviously, mom is bitter because of he's an asshole yeah uh, but she very much like belittles that she's like oh his books are terrible you know <laughs> like, it's, it's irresponsible and childish that he's writing these best-selling novels <laughs> well i do think it's funny that he at one point he's like i don't write horrors i write mysteries and it's yeah. like you're not that be- you're not better than <laughs> right. stephen king why are you saying yeah. like you're better than stephen king yeah i was glad that they called out um stephen king because i I was like, really, this guy's like living in an old bed and breakfast yeah. in Maine and he's a writer. Come on. But yeah, he said like horror is Stephen King's realm. I write serious police procedurals. I wonder if I wish that there was so much more about these authors out there. I wish that more people took an interest in him because I yeah. want to read an, like an interview with Mary. That's like, hey, like what kinds of books did you read? What were you into? Because it kind of seems like 
Stephen King might be a person that she liked and yeah. uh, like took inspiration from. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I did. I I found one um, interview. Like, I could only find one basically, but yeah. there wasn't too much to it. But one thing that I did like that she said, I didn't mention it because it was kind of in in ways not true in this book. But she said that she liked to have. Well, let me just say the quote. I did write it down. Um, in a story, I like to cast the adults as skeptics. Without the help of grown-ups, children must rely on their own courage to save or banish restless spirits. So she likes to, you know, have the kids kind of do things themselves. But this one is different because it's a it's an adult, you know. Yeah. It's a- <laughs> no, I, I totally understand that. And I... I feel like there was another author I was reading about that kind of said the same thing where they don't, they like to have, oh, it wasn't an author. Okay. Actually, I was re-listening <laughs> to an episode, an old episode of You're Wrong About, about after school oh. specials. And they did research on the guy who initially made these after school specials. And he talked about how the way that he did it, he wanted all the kids to be able to solve the problems or if they couldn't be solved, it would like be very obvious that this was like like alcoholism mm-hmm. a lot as it's portrayed in the after school special it's like mm-hmm. they're not wrapped up neatly yeah. but the problems that these kids have usually are solved by themselves or like them asking for help rather than an adult just outright helping them and i yeah i don't know <laughs> that just reminded me of that yeah no, i like that i definitely i do want to read her other books because mm-hmm. very good so yeah Dad left mom for the student, Susan, and they live in Maine. They are married. They have a five-year-old son named Todd, and Susan is also now pregnant again. And they didn't tell her that. They did not tell her that. Nope, they did not. Mom married a guy named Steve, who is in the Navy, and since then, um, Cinda and them have been moving around the country because he's had to move for the Navy. And they are moving to Italy for three years. And this is the reason why Cinda goes to stay with dad, who she hasn't really had a lot of contact with since the divorce. I would have gone to Italy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. You know, I didn't think about this till just now. She was like, I don't want to go to Italy Italy because I want to like, you know, still have a normal childhood, whatever, and finish school. But then she just immediately was like, okay, I'm fine with doing just homeschooling or like (laughs) self-study. Yeah, I think we don't get a lot of her personality, but I do think she's just really a people pleaser in like mm-hmm. a lot of ways, even though she describes herself as pretty much like a hellion. But it's yeah. like the way that she describes her rebellion is very much like <laughs> playing her music a little too loud or mm-hmm. leaving like a towel on the floor. So I just right. I think that she's just like kind of sheltered, which is funny considering that she is a, a Navy brat. Right. Yeah. She's been all these places. She's on the base or whatever. Because I grew up, (laughs) I am (laughs) perfect. And I grew up uh, an army brat and my parents got out of the army by the time I was eight. But I mean, even those experiences really made me someone who is easily adaptable to different environments and like mm-hmm. able to be independent. And I kind of saw the independence within her. So maybe that mm-hmm. I don't, it, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think it was just a easy way to do this plot, but <laughs> actually it means everything. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Sorry. You can continue. Okay. 
So she, uh, when, when the dad picks her up, initially she's like scared because he doesn't show up at the airport on time and she's waiting there for an hour. And then it just turns out that it was bad weather, whatever. Um, they stop at this diner on their way to the inn and the waitress Gina tells her that the inn, which is called Underhill, is haunted. Dad is like, this is nonsense. He's very skeptical about the whole thing. And there are three men smoking and drinking coffee at the counter because this is 1995, baby. It sure is. So Gina says that there was a girl murdered 60 or 70 years. Wait, was that Gina? I don't think it was. No, the that the, Mrs. Uh, housekeeper. Yeah the, yeah, the housekeeper says that. Okay. Yeah, Mrs. Bigelow tells her that a girl was murdered 60 or 70 years before, and Mrs. Bigelow's dad was the one that found the body, which oh, that's yeah. traumatic. What? <laughs> wow. He's a fisherman. Um, but then Cinda meets Will, Mrs. Bigelow's grandson, who is an artist and also just loves children so good with Todd and just such a nice guy. Yeah, he does seem like a nice little, little guy. Does. He does. Yeah. Yeah. They build a snowman together. He's like drawing pictures and he's, yeah, he's, he's a very nice guy. I did find all that really sweet. And I like how they kind of bookended that in to what happens next. You know? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Very, very much contrast there. <laughs> Cause then Vincent Marthanos, is that how you'd say his name? I wasn't sure. Martinos. Uh, Vincent <laughs> shows up looking for a room at the inn. Uh, and he is a 30-year-old British poet <laughs> who is so charming and intelligent and lovely. Wait, we got a British poet named Will in the Sweet Valley Werewolf series. Oh, my God. I didn't think about that. I didn't think about that. Ooh, <laughs> weird. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, they they do. Uh, one thing I really enjoy about this book is that they go out of their way several times to be like, "This guy is older than thirty. He is yeah. ten to fifteen years older than you, uh, yep. Cinda. He is old." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> she is sixteen. Reminder. Yeah, she is sixteen. <laughs> So yeah, he's staying with them and they have all these conversations. He's talking with the parents at the fire. They have wine together. It's all it's all beautiful. I just want to say that he is the only guest. They don't get guests really during the winter because it it's not a winter vacation spot. There's too much yeah. snow. So this is a very isolated like situation. Yeah, doesn't happen often. And Susan is very upset about it. Also, yes. <laughs> she doesn't want him to stay. No. She's like, I want to do my sewing, damn it. Yeah, she just sews all goddamn day long. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> How much sewing are you doing? Uh, yes, it is made very clear that Vincent is like just just pandering to, to Cinda. He's like, Cinda says something about believing in ghosts, and he's like, Oh yes, I believe in ghosts, absolutely. Nothing is by chance. To be fair, that one. He knows that ghost exists. <laughs> I mean, that's true. <laughs> that's true. the only thing I will give to this grown ass nasty man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that night, Cinda dreams of Vincent and they are like kissing and laughing. And he says that he's the king of darkness and she's his queen. Uh, so there's that. Oh, hot topic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also Todd and the cat hate Vincent. The cat doesn't want to be around him. Todd's like, this guy is awful. Why is he here? Oh, 
uh, they are having one of these like fires in the chats and Todd wakes up. He's very imaginative and he is afraid of wolves. And he says that there's a wolf under his bed. Mom or Susan and dad go upstairs to help him. And Vincent, now that they're finally alone, is like, oh, I know exactly what's been going on with you. I know what it feels like to be an outsider. You'd feel like your parents are, you know, not paying enough attention to you. They're closer to Todd, all these things. Basically, just reads exactly how she is feeling, which would be so obvious. I mean, it's it's sad. It's really sad. Uh, I yeah, this whole thing just made me so upset. Like yeah, it's yeah. He he is just telling her what she wants to hear, and she is yeah. young and immature mm-hmm. and doesn't have a lot of experience in anything, and he yeah. knows how to take advantage of that. Exactly. Yeah, and she, you know. She does feel like nobody understands her. So when he takes an interest in her, she's like, you know, this guy is amazing and he's the only one that can really get me. Yeah, it's really, really sad. At one point, Cinda goes for a walk and Vincent happens to like find her outside, which was really creepy also. And he is holding her hand. He says something like, you have no idea what kind of man I am. I have a morbid streak that you wouldn't like. Barf. and like okay (laughs) i think that the reason i find this so upsetting is i would have eaten this shit right up yeah absolutely i am cinda (laughs) like (laughs) i am upset by this sorry we're we're all cinda (laughs) they don't i mean they don't have any opportunity to be alone together. So when she's asked by Susan to bring the dinner tray to Vincent, she does. And he, he she says, is there anything else you want? And then he like stares at her lips and boobs. And that's it. Um, yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to take yeah. a drink of wine. I know. Right I know. I can't. Yeah. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. I'm like crawling out of my skin right now. I know. Yeah. So they have another every night they're doing this talking by the fire with the wine thing. So one of the nights he, I guess, made everyone fall asleep or like put them under some kind of like hypnosis. And Cinda wakes up and he is like sitting right next to her on the couch when he was in a different chair before. Oh, my God. And (laughs) he recites the poem, The Highwayman to her and talks about how in this there's the lover seeking the landlord's daughter and how familiar that feels and how the landlord's daughter is willing to die for the one she loves. And it I it's so disturbing. I I can't. I know. I'm like I'm crawling out of my seat <laughs> right know. now. Just like I, I know. I'm so oh uncomfortable. God. I know. It's terrible. Yeah. Oh God. So <laughs> By the way, the um, Look for Me by Moonlight is from the the Highwayman poem, which I was not familiar with. I don't know if you were. No, I wasn't. Um, I thought it's such a good title. Oh, yeah. Great. Amazing. Um, they also end up playing Scrabble once the, the parents just suddenly wake up, once uh, he flips the spell. And the dad is like, oh, weird. We spelled out Ill, Ill Come to Thee by Moonlight. What a, what a weird coincidence. I did like that little play on all and ill. No, I did too. I did too. I'm just talking about the dad just being like, oh, that's weird. The (laughs) adults in this are so fucking stupid and awful. They are. They are. I 
except for uh, the housekeeper and i i I can't Mm. remember her name but will's grandmother and then the waitress at the Mm -hmm. cafe are the only two adults in this entire book that tell the truth or think anything actually wrong with cinda yeah yeah it's really awful really bad so then that night he comes to her window and takes her out of the window and they go and on a walk and he um, kisses her and makes her promise not to tell anyone <laughs> as you do as a grown-ass <laughs> man want to do a to a 16 year old yep then she ends up going cinda goes to town with will they're going like grocery shopping and they have kind of a cute little little day together mm-hmm. will meets vincent that night and he doesn't like him says that he can tell he's a con man which he is. <laughs> he is. He definitely is. And then he's like, oh, but maybe I'm just jealous because he likes Cinda. That, okay. That was cute. <laughs> that was really cute. That was cute. I like it. Well. Really- I, do. I do too. I imagine yeah. him like, I don't know, kind of like tall and gangly. Kind yeah. Of just like nerdy. Kind of like, I don't know. I'm kind of, I picture him as he, this person was not a great character in the end, but the the neighbor from Witch Upon a Star is what I kept imagining because uh, <laughs> it's like 1995 also <laughs> so many things happened in 1995 because our last oh, yeah. book was in 1995 as well which oh yeah I didn't really even remember that I went and I was like okay well let me see what happened in 1995 yeah. and then I went like, I already hmm. talked about all of this stuff <laughs> seems really it really has been familiar. two weeks since we've recorded so <laughs> <laughs> yeah we don't remember anything no <laughs> yeah then Vincent just keeps meeting Cinda in the middle of the night. They go on these walks and one night he like softly bites her neck and then profusely apologizes and is very sweet. And it literally says he persuades her to do whatever he wants. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like the portrayal of it is so like accurate. It's so it's so good that it's like you can't even take it <laughs> yeah it's it is so good that like i am upset by it it's but so i'm creepy. also like this should be required reading to every yeah. teenage girl right yeah and also like sad because i mean it seems like she's got some experience in this area um the, the author so i mean don't we all <laughs> true yeah damn okay <laughs> <laughs> So then one night when they're out on these walks, Vincent becomes very like weird and aggressive all of a sudden. He says the hunter is abroad. There's like an owl call gone and he bites her harder. And then he's like, go back to the inn. You have to leave and just leaves her there in the snow. At this point, the dead girl, who we later learn is named Eleanor, um, guides her back. She helps her get back to the inn. Great scene. Everything to do with Eleanor and ghosts is is great in this it is i I like that ghosts the the ghosts are a good thing (laughs) yeah i liked that too they weren't like evil spirits the the guy that was right there yeah was yeah he's evil he's (laughs) so evil (laughs) i hate him i just want to tear his pale throat out (laughs) oh my god yes (sighs) wow um that day (laughs) uh she cinda goes to vincent's room and she's like what happened last night and he's like oh what do you mean eleanor came to you that was all a dream forget all about last night it never happened 
gaslight. Okay. He's gaslighting. Such a gaslighting. God. Lord. And then she like reaches for him, I think his hand, and she knocks over his candle onto his poetry that he's been writing. And he like jumps back and then she spills his wine on it to put the fire out. I did not get from that scene that he was afraid of fire. I was like, oh, he's really mad that his stupid ass emo poems got ruined. But yeah, I could. I mean, it was a little like, I mean, it was very subtle. But he did, like, jump back, like, startled, kind of. I don't know. But, yeah, I didn't take it as, like, like, I didn't even write that down. I just, because of what happens later. But, yeah. Yeah, It was definitely a moment where I went, oh, because I do say something about his poems at the end that, like, I didn't quite parse. But I think what it meant was that he wasn't actually writing poetry. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't. So I think that she thought that he was upset about the poems being ruined and... So that was like, it was a good, uh, like, sleight of hand. It, it was very good because what he says, and I didn't write this quote down either, but what he says is something like, <laughs> she's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry I ruined your poetry. And he's like, oh, it doesn't matter. It was just alleged, it was nonsense scribbles or something like that is what he says. And he was telling the truth for a while. He was telling the truth. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't know that at the time. This book is, it's really good. It's brilliant, actually. Yeah, it is. Um, Because, yeah, at the time, you just think that he's being nice and being like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't do that. No, absolutely not. Ew. No. <laughs> at this point, she is seen by Susan coming out of Vincent's room. And Susan's like, oh, you, you can't get involved with him. He's too old. And Thinda rightfully is like, uh, you were 18 when you met my dad. He's twice your age. Um, I love that she called alone. that shit out. Oh, yeah, me too. But also, like, Susan's right (laughs) yeah no absolutely both both of them are right and like here's the thing though it's that it's normalized to Susan that Mm -hmm. women get with older men obviously to the point where she is pretty much like you don't need to go into his room and not like get the fuck out of my house with my underage stepdaughter like exactly instead they're like you need to stay away from him and it's like no you need to kick out this strange man and like have a long discussion with your husband about who you allow around your teenage daughter. <laughs> yeah, there's so much of that through this book, too, where it's oh. like put on Cinda to like be the one to make these choices as if Vincent is not completely grooming her. I think that at one point, Susan does say you're so trying to seduce him and it's mm-hmm. like never do i ever want to hear about a child seducing yeah. an seducing adult that's not man. the word for it no. <laughs> that's, there's no, no word for it because it's not a thing that can happen no it's not yeah and like oh well we can get to it later because i have okay. so, i have so much to say about the, <laughs> i know the stuff about it i'm sure so you do much. too yeah definitely cinda ends up going for another walk and she goes to the spot where she was the night before and she sees blood on the snow where her imprint is um, where she was laying and she's like what i don't remember bleeding and then she finds a tiny little wound on her neck uh, it's just like so apt the uh like analogy to like i don't being sexually assaulted like she doesn't mm-hmm. remember it she sees the blood she you know what yeah. i mean it's just like yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know so Will finds her out there and brings her to his little like art studio. That's this shack that was his grandpa's like fishing shack. Makes her no tea, like heats up snow in the pot and makes tea for her. That was really cute. It's so like Little House on the Prairie. I would have like, 
died if a guy did right? that to me. Yeah. Now I'd be like, that's disgusting. Can we have yeah. some water? Can we not use this? No. But yeah, very cute. As like a teenager in the 90s. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that smells probably really fresh. It's not because me, I'm thinking of like the disgusting, like, mm-hmm people and dogs and whatever tracking through the Chicago yeah. sidewalk snow. And I'm like, yeah. oh, <laughs> right. drink that. no, stay away. But yeah, it's a very nice little scene between them. He asks her about Vincent and she's very defensive. Like he can do no wrong. He's the best person ever. Uh, later when they get back home, Susan and dad confront Cinda about Vincent and about how she's not doing her schoolwork. She's sleeping in late. She's not taking care of herself or anything that needs to be done. She's just completely focused on on Vincent. But even at that point, they're just like, oh, we'll just still let him stay here. It's fine. You just need to do better. <laughs> can't can't yep. deal with that. No. Vincent comes to her room and again brings up the girl from the highwayman and asks her if she would die to save his life. And she says yes. And then he bites her like for real this time really hard. She wakes up in bed and he reveals that he was not actually in love with her. He's actually a vampire. He doesn't care about her at all. But yeah, he just says like, did you really think I cared about you? Um, Which was heart. So sad. I was so devastated for her because, like, as she's growing weaker physically, you could see her just like growing so weak emotionally because of all of the things that he's taken from her. Right. Yes. Because he made it seem like he was so in love with her and would, you know, also die for her or whatever. But that was clearly not the case. He's just using and abusing her. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So she gets really sick. She has to stay in bed. Um, Everyone's worried about her. And then he... But not enough. (laughs) Not (laughs) Not enough, no. Keep pointing out, not enough. True, yeah. But they're just like, oh, just rest. Just rest. (laughs) Yeah, even when she spent like 10 days in bed, they're like, maybe you should go see a doctor, but they don't even go with her to go to the doctor. I know, yeah. Susan, well, we'll get to that. Uh, (laughs) But the next night, and this I thought was such good writing too, because she doesn't even mention it at all. But if you know anything about like vampire lore, like... They can't enter a place unless they're invited in. Yeah. That was so good. So good. Because from the start. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when from it comes the to the end. When he showed. Yeah. I, I like I clocked that and I was like, yeah. this is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without even having to mention it. It was just there. Um, but he comes to the door again. And of course, she's like, get away from me. And he again is like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe I would ever do this. I can't forgive myself. I really do love you. So she lets him in and then he does the same thing again, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I want to cry just like thinking about it. I know. Because she's so trusting. (laughs) I I managed to be like so like kind of stoic while reading it, even though I was like dying on the inside and now just like rehearing it. I'm like, oh my God. Poor Cinda. Oh, my God. Yeah. She tells Vincent that she's going to tell her dad. And Vincent is like, he won't believe you because he knows that you are having emotional problems. And girls with emotional problems are not to be trusted or believed. And he'll send you to a psychiatrist. And and to be fair, he's right. He's right. Wow. That's that's some something. I mean, he's been doing this for so long. He knows how to manipulate. He knows mm-hmm. how to groom these girls because 
as we'll find out, there has been more than yeah. the Eleanor and mm-hmm. Cinda. He knows how to show them that nobody else is going to believe them. Mm-hmm. And the, that's the worst part about it is that he's totally correct. Yeah. That nobody is going to believe her because they don't believe her. Yeah. They do just trust Vincent for no reason. <laughs> A strange man yeah. because he's charming. And like, the thing is, is a 16 year old girl. That's fine. Like, I don't blame her. I put no blame oh, no. on her. But two adults fuck you guys yeah seriously i know but yeah so yeah like you said susan is like you need to go to the doctor because she's been sick she's been unable to get out of bed for like you said like 10 days but the car won't start so susan calls will to take her instead and yeah she doesn't go with her she doesn't make sure everything's okay she just says will you also teenager just take her to town drop her her out of my face (laughs) basically god I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. And then Will, and I don't, I don't blame Will for this, but he's like, do you want me to go in with you? Which was sweet. And Cinda's like, no, it's fine. I'm fine. And Cinda does not go to the doctor. She just goes to the diner and talks to Gina again. And Gina tells her that there have been these other murders or deaths, yeah, mysterious, mysterious deaths at the, at the. Of end. teenage girls. Yeah. Specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cinda's like, how did you how did you know about all this? Because at one point it is mentioned that Susan and dad don't know anything about Eleanor's murder or anyone else's, which was kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, what? Are you serious? Because the previous owner was like, I just I want to get this off my hands. Because I mean, I feel like the inn is very much like a money pit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. But I feel like wouldn't Gina or someone have like mentioned it in the last they've been there for five years. Yeah, but I okay, so like it's a small town, so maybe it's just like we're still more insular because even the way that Will talks about it, because Will's been there for a couple years, he still says he's like the outsider. That's true, yeah. So maybe it's just like that, like they're still outsiders no matter what yeah, happens. No matter how long they've been there. Yeah. And they're probably like, oh, they're probably gonna sell. Like, they're probably going to be out of here in a couple of years anyways. Who cares? Right, yeah. Gina tells Cinda that she read this article in the newspaper that talked about the history of the inn and that there were all these other deaths. So Will is actually waiting at the library for Cinda to come out from the doctor. And she goes and she finds the article. She prints it out, brings it home. And that night, Cinda is at dinner. Will has been invited to dinner. And she has no appetite but then she sees like that snake juice and she's like oh my god it's blood and, like she licks the plate and drinks the juice for the steak <laughs> and Will's like uh <laughs> I'm gonna go <laughs> and they're like they're not like hey mm-hmm. like are, are you okay they're like you're disgusting I know. You yeah, go to your room go to bed you freak <laughs> it's so bad Wow. Also, as I keep saying, she's anemic. So, like, she probably was like, yeah. Oh, like, even if this wasn't a vampire situation, right? She like probably just wants to iron. Yeah. Man. I mean, like, they mentioned that too. Even the dad is even like, red meat is what you need right now. And then they're like, ugh, you actually want the red meat? What's wrong with you? As teenage <laughs> girls experience every day of their lives, <laughs> uh, wanting red meat. Yes. We yeah. Do. <laughs> Wanting a steak? Yes, please. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I too. never grew out of that, that phase. Great, right now. <laughs> oh man. Oh, so after she does that, the dad goes to the room with her, 
and she's like crying and freaking out and like she's like please don't leave me here alone uh like i'm scared <laughs> and the dad is just completely he does not care he's like you're in your own room in your own house what's gonna happen and just like leaves and it's it's tough. why it's it's like all about like he he thinks it's like you're fine. Yeah. There's nothing that can physically hurt you. So why are you bitching? Mm-hmm. And it, he has no no care to the emotional to the devastation that his daughter yes. is clearly going Just through, and every single person around her can no see compassion it. at all. I mean, like she doesn't get out of bed. She's always tired. She doesn't eat. Yeah. Like like clearly something is going on. Ugh. Everything is not <sighs> fine. So here is the point where Vincent comes to her room again. And now he tells her the history and she's finally like understanding like this guy is super egotistical and, you know, mm-hmm. and he tells her that he's been this way for 500 years. And also he is a master of the species and cannot be killed with garlic or stick to the heart or sunlight um i was making off the i was making the biggest jerking off <laughs> i know right i, <laughs> I was know. like okay oh you're a master vampire okay sure <laughs> name five vampires yes. okay yeah absolutely <laughs> oh my god but also at this point he's like all the people that i've turned into vampires regretted and they they feel bad for their victims but i don't i love it i'm so glad i'm a vampire because you're bad yeah exactly wait so what you're saying is that other vampires are not like you they actually care yeah so you it's not that you're a vampire that's not why you're a bad person it's because you're a bad person (laughs) yeah yeah got it clearly got it a bad person as a person oh before this i bet that's true absolutely um yeah, he even says, like, I, I yearned for it. Like, he probably sought out this this vampire master to become one. Okay, anyway, <laughs> moving on. He says something about how he has to find another prize that night. And the prize is Todd. So he bites Todd, too. And at that point, like, Todd loves him. He can't get enough of him. He's always like, oh, this is the greatest. <laughs> when before he had been like, this guy's a creep. Get him away from me. Mm. I did think he was going to go for the cat. And I'm really, I was so happy oh. and surprised that he did not ever go for the cat. Yeah. I was like, thank God. Cause I feel like any other book from that era would have gone for the animal kill. Yeah. He did not. <laughs> <laughs> he did not. That cat was like, fuck you, dude. I see like, I'm right staying you. away from you. Will comes over to the inn again. And Cinda is like trying to tell him. Also, like, she's kind of. Like, Vincent is able to kind of control her thoughts a bit, not completely, but, like, she she can't think of the word for vampire, and, like, she can't really, like... That was, that was terrifying. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. I loved that, because, like, we knew what it was, mm-hmm. and they didn't ever have to say it. Yeah. And so when she finally says it later on, it's, like, kind of a big deal. Like, she's, yeah. like, breaking free. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, that was done so artfully. It was. I loved that. I loved that. And I've never seen that, either, in, like, a... I mean, I haven't read a ton of vampire stuff, but I've never seen that as like a mind control kind of like, I don't know. It was it was very well done. Yeah. Yeah. So Cinda tries to tell Will what's going on, but she can't really like form the words. And then she also was like, I want to drink your blood. (laughs) 
bitch, you need to get away from me because I'm I'm gonna hurt you. <laughs> he was probably like, oh, yeah, know, right? that, that's good. <laughs> it's like that's fun. You can't. Okay. <laughs> okay i'm horny right. let's do it let's do it <laughs> yeah. but she she gives him the the newspaper article that she had read and it's like read this later don't let anyone see you reading it but vincent comes into the kitchen and wrestles <laughs> will to the ground and yells for the dad saying that will was trying to rape cinda what the fuck that part i was not expecting that I and i was like either. Oh my god, this guy just has everyone wrapped around their fingers, like, and Will the entire time is like, you know me. Mm-hmm. You don't know this guy. What is wrong with all of you? Yeah. Because Will, I mean, like, honestly, Will throughout the entire thing is the only one who really believes yeah. her. Yeah. Nobody else does. And is willing to listen to her and, like, Even when be she's, patient. like, treating him like shit, like. Because <laughs> he can see that she's going through some big shit Mm -hmm. and he like knows that she has this huge crush on vincent but it's not just that it's like he's like oh but vincent is doing like things to her like he is affecting her which means that this is not on her yeah you know and he's the only one Mm -hmm. he's the only one who sees this whole situation for what it is yeah yeah absolutely so they yeah they just believe vincent they kick will out of the house at some point later (laughs) I skipped a little bit here, I think. Um, That's okay. But Vincent says to Todd and Cinda that they're going to be this little, like, vampire family. Oh. He's going to, like, keep them forever. They're going to be his little boy and little girl, which is, like, <laughs> doubly creepy because he's been, like, making out with her and stuff. Like, what? Yeah. Ick. Yeah. Um, did that remind you a lot of Interview with it a did. Vampire, though? It did. With the, like, he, like, Todd was a little cursed and done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, I was like, damn, that is like so uh, like on par yeah. with that. Yeah. It absolutely. is so creepy. <laughs> it is so creepy. I was so disgusted at that point. Oh my God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's that's why I was in the bathtub. I was yeah. <laughs> just like, I need <laughs> just scrubbing <laughs> like a whole. <laughs> yeah. So Todd is all for this. He's like, yes, please, let's do this. But Cinda still has some control over herself and she's like no absolutely not Cinda calls Will at that point and goes to meet him and tells him and that's the point where Will she's like telling him what's been going on and shows him the bite on her neck and Will is like are you saying that he's a vampire and at that point like she remembers the word vampire and she's able to say Mm -hmm. it like because she she just could not until it was someone else that had said it first but yeah it was it was like a big deal (laughs) She's like realizing exactly what's going on and like yeah i just okay so like i have so much to say about like the obvious like <laughs> analogies to is that what it's called what is it called when you something is like something else yeah that's not a doubt you know what i mean i, I get it mixed up oh uh, whatever it is uh <laughs> it's been a while since we've been in english class um between like this like how this book is about grooming and is about like sexual assault mm-hmm. and the fact that she couldn't say it mm. for so long until somebody else told her what it was yeah. is like it's such a good portrayal of like what that is because so many times when you go through something like that you can't say it because you don't even r- realize it definitely a stand-in for that right yeah yeah that's such a good point I hadn't thought about that but when you say that 
that's like, oh, I could I couldn't think about the word until you said it. But for real, that's that's truly I'm sure what she was doing there. That's yeah. so smart. Because, yeah, like any kind of trauma, sometimes you just cannot accept what actually happened. You're just like kind of play it off like, oh, they didn't really mean to do these things or whatever. But yeah, they did. Sometimes it's not till somebody tells you what you went through was bad. Yeah. <laughs> like I've had that happen where <laughs> I'll be like saying something and Ryan will be like, like what? Um uh, uh I hate to tell you, yeah. <laughs> but that's fucked up. Yeah. And I'm like, it is fucked up now mm-hmm. that you say it. Yep. Yeah, no, that's such a common thing. And yeah, I did not think about that at all. That was a great, great observation. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, they they like come up with this plan. Will really is like helping her. He immediately believes her. And Will is like, we need to do something about this. And he's like saying the things like, can we use a stake to the heart, whatever. And Cinda explains, no, he's, no, he's a super vampire. <laughs> he's a super predator. <laughs> and she remembers that he was like, kind of scared of the fire and she's like oh maybe that's that's mm-hmm. his weakness so they come up with this plan that they're gonna like trap him in the shed and start him on fire trap him in there because there's a cave underneath he gives his studio yep. his grandpa's shack mm-hmm. so to keep her safe yeah yeah that is a huge really nice yeah big sacrifice even like all of his art is in there too i mean not all of yeah, it i'm that... sure but some is on the walls and yeah it's it's huge. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's a good guy. I'm glad that he was a part of this and like more than just like the neighbor or yeah. whatever because mm-hmm. it did show, I think it showed her and it shows us as the reader, but not all. <laughs> Hashtag <laughs> not, not all, all men. men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but really though, yeah, he he was a truly good guy. Like he, yeah. you know, when she was not interested in him, he totally accepted it as mm-hmm. you should. Um, And then he was just trying to still help her be your friend, you know? Yeah. I love it. Love to see it. So good. Oh, when she gets back home, she is under the mind control again. And she starts to like tell Susan that Will came after her again. She like can't stop herself from saying it. And Todd is like, yeah, that that happened. Oh, my God. I'm just like imagining Todd with like creepy eyes. Like, yeah, yeah. He did get it. <laughs> I think he's kind of evil. I think, I think Todd is kind of Oh, my God. Good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So then Susan and the dad are like, oh, we, we might need to call the police. And then they're like, oh, Will, Will was such a good guy. Um, can't believe he would do this. But but Vincent actually is a good guy, even though we know nothing about him. Then Vincent starts talking again about the other girls that he's done this to in the past. And he's talking to Todd about it. And he's like, oh, you're so obedient and I love you so much, but your sister here is not. She's really disappointing. So should I keep her in the family or should I kill her? And Todd (laughs) says, throw her in the ocean like you did to the others. What? (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, Todd Todd is a little little, uh, evil. (laughs) But Cinda escapes. She brings Todd to the shack and Vincent does follow them and they are able to burn him in the shack. They turn back to themselves. The spell is broken. The dead girls are finally free. Uh, It turns out because their plan was that Will was going to be there also and he was going to lock 
the shed from the outside so that Vincent couldn't get out. But he wasn't there. Because he got hauled into the yeah, the police he got station. Arrested. Yeah, they're accusing him of these things. But <laughs> it turns out that the the padlock was on anyway. It's like implied that Eleanor did this. She helped her. Yeah. I love that. The power of girls when yeah. we get together. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I loved that. Absolutely. And like the spell is kind of broken for everyone. Like the dad and Susan also are like, what were we thinking? Like, why were we trusting this guy over our daughter <laughs> and Ugh. Will that we've known for a few years? And yeah, all this stuff. <sighs> Todd is let go from the the police because they realized that he didn't do anything. Will. Oh, sorry. No, Will. <laughs> Will is left. Todd actually needs to go with the police guns. <laughs> no, but Will. Will is um. Sent home. <laughs> oh my god. The evil. <laughs> this, this evil child. But yeah, police come to question everyone at the house because Vincent was burned in this fire and everyone does believe their story that he had been doing these bad things to them and i mean they're not lying he was a con man yeah like his his car was stolen yeah (laughs) he was doing a bunch of stuff like okay vincent tell me more about that apartment in manhattan you have right yeah exactly yeah he was even telling it, it really was like interview with the vampire because he was saying like oh be going to all these lavish parties and you'll get to dress up and do all this stuff Mm -hmm. (laughs) which they weren't even able to do there were a lot of striking similarities not in like a copying way but like a definitely not done on purpose but like interesting similarities in in that way Mm -hmm. yeah but the the story ends and i thought this was like the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. Previously in the story, they had been reading like the three little pigs and uh, Vincent, I think at first the dad was reading it to Todd and it was just normal. But then Vincent was reading it to him and he's like, what do we say, Todd, when they come to the door? And he's like, little boy, little boy, let me in. And then he like lets them in or something. I don't know. I didn't write that. (laughs) But he like changes it to, to say like, let them in. But at the end, Cinda is reading the book to him and okay just as i read little little pig let me come in i heard a knock on the back door a shiver raced across my skin and todd clutched my arm his eyes wide we both held our breath till susan welcomed will inside todd looked at me and laughed keep reading cinda will likes the story too i guess my brother was right because will sat down beside me and snuggled as close as todd to hear what happened next that's the end of the book and it's the sweetest thing and I'm gonna cry. <laughs> I know. I I she deserves a good a a good ending. Yeah. All right. So that <laughs> is was that. the summary. And man, it was so good. Like there was yeah. there was points where I was like, what is what is going on? Like I was really because it is so realistically portrayed and it felt for a little while to me that it was gonna be like normalized almost. Mm-hmm. But it was not. And I sometimes need to remind myself that, like, the villains in a book or a movie, like, are the villains for a reason. And, like, they're going to do bad things. It, it's okay. So it is really hard as as a writer myself. <laughs> I've ever heard of it. Yeah. I have had this problem where if you make the villain too sneaky villainous, yeah. then people don't get it. Mm-hmm. But you still want to portray it as something that is, like, like come slowly yeah like because i have had a i have this character in one of my books 
middle of nowhere if you want to read it <laughs> he is not a good guy and his like behavior keeps getting excused and like it's really slow until like you realize like oh he is yeah. a bad dude and I had people reading it um, that were like, oh, they're so cute together. And I was like, no, no they're no, not. No, 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 no. Yeah. So then I was like, OK, I guess I got to like up the Make it a little least- worse in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. OK, so I did have this thought before reading this book, before I knew that this was going to be an actually like good portrayal of an older man mm-hmm. and a and a teenage girl, yep. because let's be honest, like most of the vampire YA media that we see is not like this. It's like Twilight, which Mm -hmm. we are watching the movie next week. Yes. (laughs) And it is the kind of thing that you're like, this is bad, but it's portrayed as love and as like a good thing. Yeah. And it's like, I think that part of the, the difference which obviously doesn't excuse it, but it's like, like in Twilight, Edward is also like a, a quote unquote teenager because that's what he was when he became a vampire but it's like he has lived for hundreds of years he has all these like life experiences that like it's still it's the same situation like like he's absolutely taking advantage of her and like you know but it's yep it's seen as more acceptable because he looks like a teenager I think is that's what kind of the genius of this book was Mm -hmm. is that they made him physically a 30 ish year man Mm -hmm. but I had this thought because of the whole like prevalence of older teen boyfriend and it's not just like twilight it's also buff like buffy did this buffy is one of my favorite shows Mm -hmm. ever but like still not good in like a lot of the way i mean like mm, joss whedon had a lot of fucking issues but i think that the older vampire boyfriend appeals for the teenage girl need for someone to think that we're more mature Mm -hmm. special and unique yeah this is a thought that i had like a week ago I was just like, by the way, I was like in the bathtub. I was really hot. (laughs) I was just like, oh, my God, I think I understand now. I like had like three weed drinks and I was like melting into my surroundings. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) Um, But even further than that, like as women and girls were grouped into what society thinks of us. And so having someone who says that we're special and we're different, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of the reason why like the whole like I'm not like other girls thing persists. Yeah. We want someone to to tell us we're different Mm -hmm. because society deems us all the same. And they think that teenage girls, they think that girls and women in general Mm -hmm. like frivolous, stupid shit. Yeah. So we need to we want to feel special. And it's the same people telling us that the things that we like are stupid are the people that are <laughs> grooming yeah. teenage girls and being like, hey, you're special because I want to fuck you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's really messed up. It is. It's so insidious and it's so hard to like overcome, like, and to understand like that that is what has happened for your entire life. <laughs> so hard to like put out of your mind that like hey things are like popular for a reason it's fine if you you like popular things (laughs) you know it's like because you like something doesn't mean that I don't know like what what's wrong with being like other girls other girls are great I love them I know exactly I know and it's such a hard thing and it's almost like the patriarchy does this to us right? so that they can come in and swoop in and be the fucking hero of the fucking story. Um, but yeah, so like what it is, is like our 
a human need to feel special mm-hmm. and it's just like doubly on the fact that like as a teenage girl you're told that you're like everyone else yeah. and that you're, you're stupid for being like everyone else mm-hmm. and you do see this in cinda oh, like yeah. she does not feel special she feels so ordinary and mm-hmm. so plain and like someone tells her she's special yeah. and she's gonna believe she believes it. it yeah because she hasn't heard it from her parents where she should have and anyone else she's been moving around a lot she hasn't made like close friends yeah that's that's really sad vincent can see (laughs) Mm -hmm. that she needs that as a predator does Mm -hmm. sees that she feels not special not sexy not beautiful um he doesn't actually sexually want her but he uses that as a way to seduce in a non-sexual way you know what i mean and I I mean, I thought that that was so brilliantly done, but mm-hmm. also the way that they talked about like Eleanor and the other girls mm-hmm. who were murdered is that they describe Eleanor as like a quiet, studious girl. Yeah. And they didn't even know that she like what had a secret boyfriend right. or whatever. And it's just he goes after these girls that have low self-esteem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's what I think is so what really hits us so hard as as t- former teenage girls yeah. that we were those girls and we understand that and it's just like it's it's just so sad because it's it's just so real it is it is it's and it is that way on purpose like the system is mm-hmm. just built that way and it's just been perpetuated for ever i need to find this quote because it just reminded me i can't find it did i like make this up there was one point where I think it was like right after Vincent had like bit Cinda for the first time. He says something like, you're you're going to give me what I want every time, right? Something like that. And it is like, it does just make it into like, like that's exactly what like a sexual predator would say too. And it's so mm-hmm. disgusting. And it's, I, I just really think that she's very a brilliant writer for for making all of these connections and like doing it in a way that you can see like, no, this is like this is a vampire, so he's like really evil, but actually this is what like the real life evil people are gonna do. So don't mm-hmm. don't listen to these things. I just yeah, I love that. It's amazing. Yeah. No, same. I I was just like at one point I said this is about grooming, right? Like yeah. this is just oh, this yeah. is this is an a- analogy for grooming. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's so good. I did. I mean, I had some stuff about just talking about the characters, but I feel like we talked about all the characters <laughs> like in in pretty good good depth. Is, is there anything else you wanted to say about any of the characters in particular? I just want to say this uh, this quote from page two. Okay. This is what we're getting into, Asinda. This is a fun quote <laughs> that I think that you and I can both relate to. To be candid, things hadn't been good in our house since I turned 13. And his mom put it, lost my mind mm-hmm. overnight, which meant I changed from an obedient child who never gave anyone a second's trouble into an obnoxious teenager who left to- wet towels on the bathroom floor and dirty dishes in front of the television, played loud music and argued about everything from politics to curfews. Yes what a great passage mm-hmm. on page two <laughs> i know even the yeah no i I love that i don't want to just like skim by it and go to my own <laughs> but i'm gonna no i'm just gonna <laughs> no i absolutely 
love that because it's so true. Like you do just hit a point where you're just like, why am I just completely agreeing with everything that everyone's telling me? Why am I complacent? And yeah. at 13, at 13, that was me. I was just like, oh, wait. Yeah. I'm going to be a holy terror. Right. Because I'm feeling so many emotions mm-hmm. and everybody else could just go fuck themselves. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Like, I understand that I was playing Barbies last year, but now <laughs> I want to kill going everyone. To, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really, like, there was such good portrayals of, like, teenage emotion in this. Like, there was so many times where I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. (laughs) Like, like there was one point where she, when Cinda first goes to the inn and she's meeting Susan and Todd and she feels like she's like the outsider with them, they are on a walk and she's like slowly letting them like get further and further ahead. And she's like wondering how long it's going to take them to notice or if they'll care. And I remember, (laughs) so stupid. (laughs) When I was, I think, probably 13, I got into like a fight with my parents over something stupid, I'm sure. But I was just like, they don't care about me at all. And then I like, <laughs> it was raining, right? <laughs> of course it was. I went out on our deck and just laid on the bench on our deck in the rain and just waited. <laughs> I'm. 100% like I did not make it clear that I was doing this like I I'm sure that my mom thought I just went to my room but I just laid on the deck in the rain I was like they don't even care that I'm gone <laughs> like it's so like that is exactly exactly how you feel <laughs> oh my god that's so funny I love that I'm gonna put that I'm gonna put that in my little final facts of it facts about Ashley Spice yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing oh my god but yeah but I was gonna say even like the very first sentence of the book is sometimes you can pinpoint the exact moment in your life when things begin to go wrong for me it was the day my father left my mother blah 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 but it's just like what an opening you know yeah absolutely it's yeah it's it's ominous and like mm-hmm. creepy but also so like authentic to yeah. the teen voice mm-hmm. I mean, like, I, at some points, I, like, all, like, I was almost thinking that some parts of this book, like, they had over, she had overdone it. And then I would, like, reel back at the last second and be like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Like, this actually yeah. is more meaningful. And it says more about the characters and the story than I had judged it for mm-hmm. going into yeah, absolutely. some of the scenes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that as, an adult it's really easy to to forget like how intense your emotions were as a teenager like now it's like if something were to happen I'd be like whatever that's annoying but then it's like this like I am never coming back from this (laughs) like I will never recover everyone hates me my life is over it's just like everything is that dramatic so to to put that into into the writing does just feel authentic but I think as an adult reader you're like wow this is super dramatic yeah but every time she was being like over the top I was like yeah girl get it get those emotions because mm-hmm. like yeah there there were points like oh yeah I gotta find this passage because when she gets to the house she's kind of like happy-ish like mm-hmm. she kind of falls into them being like a family but things like crumble so quickly yeah. for them and there's this point where she was like, 
At dinner, my good mood leaked away like air from a tired balloon. I grew increasingly nervous, anxious, worried. Even though Dad's stuffed flounder was delicious, I couldn't eat more than a mouthful or two. If anyone had spoken harshly to me, I, w- I would have cried. Yeah. <laughs> and also, that's that's also me on my period. <laughs> it really is. Yes. Oh, my God. It's like, why would you say that to I me? know. Like, eat your flounder and shut the fuck up. <laughs> you love this flounder. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, this is such a good, it's such a good book. It's I, so good. I highly recommend yeah, this book. Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to read more of her books. I think that we should read more of her books for. Yes. This. I am curious what other kinds of topics that she, I mean, if I was a better uh, podcaster, <laughs> I would have <laughs> looked it up. But I don't know. I, I just, everything like kind of comes together at mm-hmm. the end in this like really great way that's like things aren't perfect but like they it seems like there's going to be better days for them yeah. and I believe it yeah. and I like <laughs> yeah like it wasn't just neatly wrapped up but there's like hope there's hope that things can get better that things can improve absolutely at points after they like after Vincent has been burned to a little little Dracula Chris, uh-huh. she keeps on expecting him to like pop out yeah. and be like, Hey, I was expecting like it's it's very much that PTSD. Oh, yeah. Like she has major PTSD. Mm-hmm. And at one point, Todd even says, like, I did so many bad things. How's anyone gonna forgive me? Yeah. And oh, that broke my heart, even I though know. he's a little evil child. <laughs> it was really sad. It was. Yeah. And I think that too, I we didn't even touch on this, but Cinda doesn't tell um her dad or Susan the vampire part. Mm-hmm. She just no. lets them still believe that he was just just a regular predator. Uh, <laughs> but she's Everyday like predator. She says something like, you know, if I do that, my dad's gonna have to just completely rewrite his entire reality and i don't think that he's ready for that and it's like what oh a God. what a responsibility to have and like ugh. <laughs> yeah that's such a good point and i feel like that even comes back to the whole like sexual assault grooming aspect of it where it is sexual assault d- doesn't just happen to a person it happens to a family a community i it's it's just like devastating you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like it's so devastating for the people around you to be like, why, why couldn't I protect you? And like, mm-hmm. well, her dad didn't protect her because he's, <laughs> yeah, not a good parent right. and not a good guy. But it, it, it really, and I say that not because it's like, oh, other people are as off as bad as the as the victim, but because that's another thing that the that the victim has to deal with and has to take responsibility for Mm -hmm. which just like and like a lot of the reason why people don't tell about things that have happened to them is because they don't want they don't want people to feel bad for them they don't Mm -hmm. want people to blame themselves they don't like there's like a million different reasons why like what other people how other people are going to react and those are the good reactions not just the i don't believe you you were asking for it which were reactions oh yeah that she got right yeah yeah and you like you don't want people to like think of you differently you don't want pity you or have those like like why 
why didn't you just get out of this situation? Why did why did you do this to yourself? Basically, yeah. <laughs> like there are yeah yeah there's so many and also like with the like having to question your whole reality it just reminds me too of like just people that you that everyone has this image of being like a good person and then it comes out that they're not that they are a predator and yeah people have such a hard time believing it because that is their reality like no I've never seen him do anything bad I've never seen him you know hit someone or whatever you know be awful but yeah it just takes it takes a lot to like remove yourself from that and just believe that you know people can be different in different situations and that people may be actually really bad when you've only seen them do good things you know that is I mean that is such an excellent point and we see so many examples of that with like you know like the star quarterback or like Mm -hmm. an athlete and like and I'm I'm speaking like YA terms yes (laughs) and just thinking about what you're saying about how like thinking of someone in a different way it's so funny to me though that like we have these like archetypes of this like popular guy this you know golden boy who has done wrong but you still get the same reaction to being you know the victim of an assault or whatnot uh with someone who they might quote unquote expect like even if the guy is someone who isn't like a perfect predator (laughs) yeah um you can never be the perfect victim yeah there's always like something that you could have done differently and that's just like it's just why this whole like rape culture thing is just so insidious because it's just no matter what women do or i mean and i'm or anyone that is assaulted it's just never good enough right it's just never going to be good enough and that's why i do like stories about women in particular who aren't perfect Mm -hmm. who do bad things and still don't deserve yeah anything that happens to them right yeah there's such this narrative and like like it is such a thing with with women who are assaulted but also like like with George Floyd (laughs) for example Mm -hmm. like what happened to him was so incredibly horrible like the worst thing you can imagine and then people were like oh he was a drug addict and it's like okay so so he deserved it like what like I don't like it doesn't matter like even if you're like not a great person you don't deserve to have this happen to you and I feel like that's like people are kind of able to like not feel as bad about it like I think that that's why people maybe do it because they're like oh absolutely nothing like this could actually happen to a good person like you know the world isn't like that but it is and people can't accept that I guess I don't know it's just I mean going back to the last uh, book we talked about how we talked about the othering of people this is why those narratives are so awful Mm -hmm. because I mean (laughs) yeah like why othering people you are going to run into these like being like oh you deserve whatever is coming Mm -hmm. to you because you don't fit into this picture perfect mold of a white cis heterosexual American man yeah basically yeah yeah exactly yeah I just linked those (laughs) 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 I just all in all I don't know what else you want to say about this but I just think that this story is so good but so sad because it's just it's just real life man and like and like I said there's nothing scarier than that than the 
pre- the predator yeah. not being not being a vampire right but being, being this man who was able to just destroy this young girl's life that's mm-hmm. like horrifying yeah and just easily and with the help of the people around her her the her what should have been her safety net her, her support system he was able to do that w- with their help oh yeah and like i ugh. yeah and that's how predators work yeah and people are so they're able to trust this stranger man so much more than a teenage girl that they've known forever because <laughs> he's good looking and he's smart and he's rich like that's how he presents himself he's sophisticated uh yeah Ugh, god Ugh. vincent gross can we just like i don't know throw him into the ocean uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> did you have the same thought for a taylor swift oh, song that I'm, i did i'm sure i did let's say it all right what it could have should have i like was laughing <laughs> yes, yes. absolutely there's so many parts to it so many Ugh. even like like the tomb won't close and he's a goddamn vampire like also like if clarity's in death why won't this die he's immortal yeah. But I mean, also just obvious. <laughs> like it is just a predator preying on this teenage girl that's yes. innocent and doesn't know any better, and also should not have to have that responsibility. Like you need, as a grown man, don't go after yeah. teenage girls. I, I don't know. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I have two things to say now. <laughs> <laughs> One, I when could could have would have should have came out. I. I listened to that song and I said, this is for me. Yeah. (laughs) Because I just like, I feel like this has, even like now, this is like a new topic where we're like talking about like these power dynamics and relationships, these predators that like, even though, you know, you might be 19, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) there's still older, you know, people that will take advantage of you because you're young and you are an experience and they can see that. And it's like that experience being told in different art forms is something that like, I love to see and hate Mm -hmm. reading. Right. Yeah. It's so hard to, to see, but it's so important. It's so necessary. Yeah. I just, can I just say this too? Like, I, so, you know, I'm new to Taylor Swift. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I had just, when she released Speak Now, the re-record, she was, like, protecting John Mayer still. Mm -hmm. And that's so sad. Like, she said something like, you know, I don't, I don't care about anything that happened to me when I was 19. Like, you don't need to go after this person. Like, you know, just let it go. But it's like, clearly you are still like hurting from that experience because you wrote this other song that's obviously about that like it's just such a like but it's like you still feel the need to like be like oh no it's fine you know like that's such a thing like that women do and I hate it man just as a last word just just read this book it's gonna you should it's gonna disturb you (laughs) it might change your life though so good. I was not expecting mm-hmm. that in any way. Mm-mm. Anyway, I thought it was going to be just a fun little lighthearted Twilight. I thought it was going to be prequel. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> right? Me too. Me too. Oh my God. And no, you know it's what? not. 
I, I'm sure we're going to have more to say next week after we <laughs> experience Twilight yeah. because it's just like it's so different mm-hmm. from what we have seen from these supernatural narratives yeah. like even up to now you know and this was in 1995 yeah and I think that this book is on par with a book like Speak oh yeah me too <laughs> like a necessary read for all teenage girls yeah yeah and I feel like just like ahead of its time like for just making all these like maybe she wasn't able to like come out and say some of these things but it was so clear like it was it was so clear (laughs) I mean yeah it you experience it in such a way where it's like "Mm, I think that the author has a lot to say about this Mm -hmm. and whatever like I don't want to put anything like at her you know I don't want to like tell her story but like I just think that she no matter what, I think that she understands yeah. that this, what happens mm-hmm. to teenage girls in particular mm-hmm. when it comes to older men. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I just, I, the normalization of, as I always like say, like, oh, you know, every girl had a 20 something year old boyfriend in high school, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> as we all did. Yes. It's just like it's so normalized. I know. And it's something I laugh about because otherwise I'll <laughs> right. <cry>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. And yeah, like, uh, God. It's the nineteen and nineteen and thirty. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, honey bun. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's and I'm not saying that everybody feels like victimized by their any relationship that they would have had, mm-hmm. but Personally, when I go back and I look at the relationships that I had when I was a teenager with older boys and the way that older men would talk to me, Mm -hmm. it's just like it's upsetting. And oh, what I was going to say was like, because you had brought up the fact that like, it's kind of like what she, what Cinda was like doing to perpetuate the like, quote unquote relationship. Yeah. Like it was a lot of it was like, she was doing what she was doing and she was like thinking to herself like I wanted this mm-hmm. how insidious that is yeah. because that gets in your mind and that's that's like literally why grooming yeah. is works yeah, like that it is because it'll make you think that you're the one who was in control mm-hmm. and so you had the thing to be ashamed about right. and adults will use that to their own benefit to be like they were coming on to me. Right. Yeah, it is. And like a teenager cannot come on to you. No, no, they cannot. And what happened is not what you wanted. What you wanted was for someone to care about you, to understand you. Make you feel special. Yeah, and that's that's not what you got. It's, it's not your fault. It's never your fault, ever. I think that what it really comes down to, and I think that when talking about the the how uh, realistic and authentic the teenage experience feels in this book is that parents all too often just like kind of let go of their teens and are like they're too much mm-hmm. I can't deal with this yeah. which leads to situations like this because you're not having your child feel valued or respected and you're not teaching them how respect and like a good, healthy relationships work yeah yeah and I think that it's not. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the parents are the most responsible for that. Yeah. But I would say that there's a lot of teen media, uh, a little Twilight included, and things like the relationship between Arya and Ezra in Pretty Little Liars, because yes, I will bring that up every time, <laughs> where it is a 
her high school English teacher <sighs> and they have a relationship through the whole thing and they end up getting married oh, at the God. end. <laughs> There's so many things and that that happened like 10 years ago. Yeah. And then River the Riverdale relationship happened like 5 years. I mean like I know, I know. not too far back mm-hmm. where these things are happening and it's like romanticized. Mm-hmm. And it just needs to stop. It needs it really to stop. Does. It really needs to stop. Yeah. Yep. I agree. So stop it. Stop. I'm going to stop it. Why are you doing this? Oh my God. No. <laughs> Ew. So next week we are doing the movie yeah. Twilight, the first of the Twilight movies. Other than that, uh, you can find us on Instagram at to all the YA. You can, you should rate and review us. And yeah. hey, if we're on your if we're on your Spotify wrapped this year, please share please. it. And so we can share you. Yeah. Because I was looking at the personal to all the YA Spotify wrapped because we get a personalization like for the for the podcast. And we grew by like 260% this year. Oh my God. That's amazing. Yeah. Like amazing. Like we have so many new listeners. And um, I do want to say that our top episode of the year was the <laughs> Sweet Valley High Betrayal miniseries, oh, which really makes me happy. So I loved it. It was such a good episode to like record. Mm-hmm. And I, it was, it, I love that you all loved it as well. And also, I think that it was Speak was the episode that brought the most new listeners in. Oh, I love that too. Yeah, I, I'm so happy <laughs> that you all, I mean, this isn't the end of the year, so I don't know why I'm doing this, <laughs> but I saw it today and I got really excited. Yeah. Just so happy that you all are loving this and that uh, you love the books that we love or are discovering for the first time like Mm -hmm. this one. Yeah, I had never heard of this book. I've never heard of this author. No, no. And now I'm I'm like, everyone read it. Like there's so many. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so rate a review uh, on whatever platform, not just Spotify, that you are listening. And Ashley, tell people what they should tell us. I think. (laughs) That you should tell us what is your favorite like so-called basic thing like oh you know because there's nothing yeah. wrong with that there's absolutely no. nothing wrong with liking uh-uh. quote-unquote basic things they're good no that's why they're considered basic <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna drink a pumpkin spice latte yeah. and i'm gonna listen wear to some Taylor Swift. Boots and listen to Taylor Swift <laughs> and yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's all I wear. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Who cares? My favorite color is pink. Aww. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, suck it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye. Bye. <laughs>